podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair and two games to discuss since the last podcast and the outcomes could not have been more different. A 4-0 victory against the champions-elect and then a 1-0 away defeat to the Saints. To discuss that and much more, I have three guests. One a champion, one a saint and the other is Stephen Allwise. Stephen, welcome. How's football behind closed doors suiting you, my friend? Yeah, thanks, Nigel. Good to be here. Um, I... It's okay. I think it's probably as a spectacle on on TV been better than I expected it would be. Um, I think the stadia all look nicely done up with the banners and branding around the uh, the pitch. Um, the crowd noise actually on the TV coverage I think has worked well. It's given it some atmosphere, um, and I think that it's been quite a nice solution to what's obviously far from ideal situation. But I think it's worked okay. Uh, and the football has, has been mixed. Uh, I think some teams have looked quite sharp. Others have relied a bit more on individual moments. Um, but I think what we've seen is teams with better players, more technical players, have, have performed okay. Um, and City, by and large, obviously we'll, we'll get into the Southampton defeat, but by and large, I think we've played quite well. We've come back and we've, we've looked fairly sharp we've looked on it and we know that our season's building up to the cup competitions so we're not going to be 100 percent straight away but i think all in all football it's nice to have football back and i think it's worked pretty well great and, and welcome to my other two guests in no particular order one a saint and one a champion you can make up your own mind it's welcome back to stuart brodkin and steve cox hi gentlemen hello um, Steve, listen, two bizarre results, and we will get into them individually in a moment, but, but it, it's not that important, is it? It doesn't really change or affect anything, does it? Either of those results? Not really. Um, I think the real key at the moment is actually trying to succeed in the two competitions that we can win. So, therefore, I'm not as worried about those two results. It seems that if we put out our first class A team and we seem to do very well at a Liverpool game if we put out the slightly not quite so A team then they don't necessarily function quite so well and there's some rustiness in it and actually we need to get rid of that rustiness so we've got full availability of players especially when we get to maybe the Champions League again and we might need to use them quite a lot over a couple of weeks so we need to have that flexibility and availability of players so they all need to be sharp so they all need game time so I can kind of understand it yeah it really doesn't affect what happens to us at the end of the season because other teams are dropping points as well so I think we'll still end up second Well let's get into it Stuart let's start with the Liverpool game then Liverpool been on the piss for a week at least um, not a great surprise that we beat them I'm going to say 5-0 because how you can call that Foden a handball I really don't I don't know but yeah, I suppose it'll, it'll go down go down as a 4-0 but but as Steve said, it doesn't really matter. But but your your thoughts and reflections on that result, you would have you would have taken that before the game, I'm sure, a four nil thrashing. 
Absolutely. I think I'd take 1-0 and no injuries. But just going back to actually watching football without crowds, I think it's pretty sterile, to be honest. Um, I think our fans have been brilliant in the games I've watched, all the games. Uh, they've really supported us. But, you know, the fake, the fake crowd noise is getting on my nerves a bit now. Uh, but I haven't tried the alternative yet. I may do on Wednesday night when we play uh, Newcastle, I think. But yeah, the only meaningful games we've played are basically the game against Newcastle in the Cup and against Liverpool in the league. So, And we won those 3-0 and 4-0, so no complaints really. Yesterday we had 25 shots, uh, fewer than, uh, sorry, more shots than Leicester had and they beat 9-0. But going back to Liverpool, I thought we played really well. I thought we could have been one or two down in the first 10 or 15 minutes. They had their full team out. They were obviously five or five or six percent off 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 the pace. But we performed well and we played some great football. We played great football in every game, I think, so far, and that's that's been good to watch. But as Steve said, we we can only win two competitions, and those those other the games that we must focus on the FA the semi final, the FA Cup the final, hopefully, and the quarter and semi and final of the Champions League. Stephen, can I just talk briefly about the Guard of Honour, which is a fairly <laughs> recent innovation, and, and uh, Brunardo's disrespect by drinking his cup of tea and, and not getting involved. I mean, is that disrespectful, or is he kind of a big city hero as far as you're concerned? Let, let's just do the <laughs> Bernardo bit first. Where do, where do you sit on that, Stephen? Um <laughs> It's it's quite funny, isn't it? It it probably, given all the other players, um, did applaud them, give them the gold of honour, as Pep said we would. It, it probably looks a bit petulant from Bernardo not to, but equally that's the sign that you know he's determined that he doesn't want to be in that situation again. And he, it, if that fires him up, yeah, he he was outstanding last season, probably our player of the season, and he's been off it a bit this year and. Is, reasons and he had his trouble with the FA and the ban but you know if that's the little spark that maybe kicks him on next season whenever that begins and, and inspires him then so be it but I think there's a lot of respect clearly between Pep and Klopp um, so it, it was the right thing to do but that was probably a moment we were all very grateful we weren't in the stadium and, and having to witness that um, close up. And what pleased you most about the performance team against Liverpool? Um, well, I'm not going to be the you know harbinger of doom. I don't think it was a four nil by any means. I, I certainly don't think it's a game we look at and think, oh yeah, we're we're not that far away from Liverpool and we defensively everything sorted. They cut us open time and time again, and if they'd have been two nil up after ten minutes, we couldn't have had any complaints. So I think what what pleased me was how clinical we were. We looked so good going forward, and it was almost like we basically left the four attackers, so I think it was Foden, Jesus, Sterling, De Bruyne, just to go and counter-attack, and we looked so dangerous on the break, and we put our chances away, and we were clinical in a way that we haven't really been a lot of the time this season. But equally, Rodri and Gundogan lost the ball a few times in midfield. Garcia, I think he's brilliant. He's going to be great. He really, really struggled, and it was only down to the fact that Liverpool's finishing was wayward that we kept a clean sheet because I, I, I'm just, I don't want fans to get carried away and think, oh no, there's nothing, the issue and Mendy's defensively sound and Walker was back to his best and Garcia's brilliant. Um, we were good and it, it sets maybe a, a marker because we know that 
we have an issue with Liverpool and the way that they press us. And it's almost the mentality in our mind is we know they can beat us. So it's really important to go out, win 4-0, play well. But it's not the um, flick of a switch that suddenly means everything's fine and next season we won't have any issues. But Steve, it is a good marker, isn't it? I mean, Stephen describes it as a marker for next season. That's, that's what it is, and it's a good marker, isn't it? It's, it's a good marker to put down. Yeah, it, it is. I think that, I think like Stephen, we have to kind of keep our heads on a little bit. It, it wasn't a brilliant performance, but it was a good performance. Um, I know that they had their opportunities, but actually most of their opportunities seemed to come from the ball over the top to Salah or Mane. Um, and they didn't capitalise capitalise upon it. Their pressing wasn't quite as heavy as it has been in the past, and I, th- I guess we need to find some of the answers to some of those po- problems that they do pose for us when they are playing maybe two or three percent above that. Um, it does lay down a marker because it kind of it slapped them down a little bit. You know, they were cocky about having won the championship, and then straight away they lose four 0 And you know, on another day that could have ended up being four three or four all even. To be fair, but. Um, most of our players actually played very well from the midfield forward. I was just a little bit concerned about some of the dallying at the back. And actually that kind of showed again yesterday in the Southampton game, really, with um, Zinchenko being a little bit rusty and getting caught out. And, you know, it kind of came back to bite us in the arse, really. Uh, a disappointing day, Stuart, yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, against Southampton. You, you look at all Absolutely. the chances we had. Yeah, I agree. Southampton played like it. They need to win that game to stay up. Uh, I, t- I give them 100% uh, for the way they played. I there was no lack of effort from us either. Uh, on another day, we'd have got three, four, maybe more. Um, but, you know, it wasn't to be. I think uh, a few players have been made scapegoats for that defeat yesterday. One of them was uh, Gabriel Jesus, who's um, coming for a lot of stick from uh, a number of fans on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, I just think he's, he's not in the same league as uh, Aguero, but who is. Um, I think his creation of, of space is good. I think his awareness is, is okay. He's offside too often. He doesn't he doesn't head the ball particularly well. But, you know, like Sterling, Sterling wasn't putting his chances away early on in his City career. Maybe we give Je- Jesus another year or two, maybe. I don't know. But we, I think we need another striker in that position, another player in that position. Uh, to help us out. I think Aguero may have won, maybe two years left. Um, the defence will always concede at least one, I would think, uh, you know, through a mistake, which we've had, which happened twice this season already, this new season, I should say. Um, yeah. we, need, we need to strengthen in, in defence, definitely. We'll, we'll come yeah, back to the we can come back to No lack of effort. Sorry? I was going to say, let, let's come back to the kind of defensive uh, errors and, and, and where we need yeah. to strengthen that. I'm keen to just stick with Jesus for a moment as you've raised it. And, and Stephen, people have compared him to Aguero and continue to do that, which is reasonable because Aguero is that injured and he's come in to replace him. But he, he's a different type of player and he, and he works hard off the ball and he gets into different positions and he's a different sort of player. How critical are you of him and how much of the blame would you put at his door? Um, I think you've you've said it, Pep said it. They're, they're different types of players. Um, Jesus is he works harder, he covers more ground, he he kind of stretches defenses maybe more than Aguero does. But he he's not a clinical goal scorer. And in a team like ours, where you're going to get lots of chances as the striker, whether that's 
you know, through crosses into the box, whether it's through your own work or dropping deeper, you, we need that striker to be clinical. And of course, we've had games where Aguero's played and we've created chances and not scored. But I think if if we were watching Aguero up front against Southampton yesterday, he'd have scored or we'd have scored as a team. And, and that's not, I don't think, too critical of Jesus. He's got a lot of qualities, but he's not a natural goal scorer. He's not going to score 20, 25 a season necessarily every single season. Um, I thought he was okay yesterday. He, he did what he does, but I, I'm not sure necessarily he's kicked on over the last couple of years, really. And if Aguero, as Stuart says, has another year in him or picks up another injury as he as he tends to do, do we really rely on Jesus to score as many goals if, if Aguero misses half a season? I'm, I'm just not convinced. I like him, but I don't think he's top quality. Steve, top quality, or did he miss the mark for you too many times? He, he, he's a good player, but my frustration with Jesus actually sits more with the opportunities he probably would put away if he'd have actually not been offside. And, and that, those are the ones that I find more frustrating than anything else. I can accept the fact that he's not, he's not the same as Aguero. He finds himself in different positions to Aguero, and he doesn't score the same type of goals or as many goals as Aguero. So he's a different striker altogether. However, the bit that I find really frustrating is time and time and time again, De Bruyne or Silva will put a ball through to him, and he's just timed his run badly, and he's offside fractionally, but he's offside. He needs to sort that out because, you know, a lot of the other failings would not really show that much if he were to score a few more goals that he was quite capable of putting away. Um, he's not as lethal a finisher as Aguero, but he does give you that extra pressing and he gives you that work rate that you don't necessarily get from Aguero. So, so let's go back, Stuart, to what you were saying before. We've had a question on Twitter from uh, our good friend David Gaskell as well, who asks about Jesus. You know, is he good enough? Do we need to replace him? Uh, other positions he's mentioning are obviously a Leroy Sane replacement left back is well documented and of course we're still looking I suppose for an ideal partner for Laporte as well at centre back so he's come up with four positions there where, where do you sit on those is, is, is that about right or do you think we're uh, not going to splash the cash quite that much I'm not, I'm not 100% sure we need to replace a straight swap for Sane um, I think we need a left back we need a centre back we need another striker and we need a reserve goalkeeper because Bravo's on his way. But, you know, um, Laporte's injury uh, showed us up a bit, I think, in, in lack of resources. Um, we need someone, you know, when, when Aguero is not, not fit or, or when Jesus is out of form, we need another striker. We had four when we won the title in 2000, when was it, against uh, QPR? What year was that? 2011. 2012. 2012. Right. 2012. We, we had four strikers. Um, we've only got two at the moment. And when one's not fit, we've only got one. So, you know, it's a, it's a big problem, I think, for, for a team that's going to look to win the title uh, or a Champions League, you know. But I think those are the three main positions, left-back, centre-back, striker. I mean, Pet would argue there are other people who could play in that role. Sterling is an obvious choice, of course, as well. So, uh, uh, OK, Stephen, where, where do you stand on this? Do, do we need to go shopping big time or are we, are we not that bad? Well, we're clearly not bad. But I think if you look at what we've brought in, the players who've signed in the last couple of years, it's Mares, who's 
done well this year. Um, Cancelo as a backup right back and Rodri, who's taken a bit of time to settle. That's not a lot of business for a side at our level. Um, and there are gaps in the squad and, and areas we need to improve. Centre-back has to be the priority. We're still scoring lots of goals. We're sure we're the top scorers in the league. Um, but I, I probably slightly differ from Stuart. I do think we need another player to play on the left in an attacking role. Um, I don't think you can ask Sterling to play that every single game and then maybe you know, Bernardo or Foden fills in every now and again. I think we need another option. Um, and left back's fascinating because I think Mendy gives us so much going forward. I'm a fan of his. We know that he's not defensively the best, but he adds so much value in attack. But is he good enough to be a first choice consistently? Is Zinchenko good enough to really challenge him as a backup? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. You can go through the whole squad and be really critical. The other question, and I don't know if we want to talk discuss it now, is how much we're going to be able to spend with FFP and the Champions League ban looming over us because if, if we don't make the Champions League uh, next year then we lose that revenue which means these questions of can we go and spend 50 million in five different positions um, or do we need to be a bit more um, careful in, in what we spend on, on bringing new players in but the squad is good but it absolutely needs tweaks if we're going to catch Liverpool and, and establish our dominance again I mean, Stephen uh, makes the important point, Steve, doesn't he? You know, we don't know what's going to be happening. We'll, we'll know fairly shortly, of course, in terms of whether we're going to be uh, banned for two years, whether it's struck off completely or probably my favourite. And what I think is probably going to happen is, is it just going to be reduced to a year? But listen, we don't know. It's all speculation. Uh, we may well be restricted. Where do, you, where do you see the priorities? Bear in mind that potential restriction on our spending. I, I think that we need to strengthen more at the back because that's where our failings have been this year. And if you look at the big difference between us and Liverpool and the teams around us, we've actually lost more games in games where we've not had a full defensive option available to us. Um, mm -hmm. Laporte being missing for most of the year was a massive um, issue for us, given the fact that company departed last year. And we really haven't strengthened in that area other than bringing Garcia up from the juniors. And, and he has actually shown to be very good, but there's still a question mark over him and his experience. So I think we need to sort out the defensive back line first and foremost. When you look at the front of the team, it actually fires pretty well most of the time. We do sometimes have an issue scoring goals when Aguero's not available. But if we had another striker, as well as Jesus and Aguero, um, Jesus is also capable of filling in at the front on, on either side and, and actually more on the left than, than anything else. And I think that would give us that other option going forward up front. He actually looks better for me when he comes in from the left than he does when he's played as a sole striker. He seems to take his role a little bit more serious, understand that role a bit more, because I'm not sure he actually plays as an out-and-out -out striker for Brazil and plays on the left-hand side. So I think the key to our team has got to be the defence and, and possibly a striker up front. The rest of the team, I probably won't worry about too much, to be fair. There's a bit to work on, but I think most of that is technical and pep getting the ideas across to the team and people being a little bit more consistent. With, with that comment about Pep in mind, can I just come back to him then? And We know that his history is not exactly hanging around at clubs. There's some talk of him maybe extending his contract. Clearly the whole European question is going to be uh, fairly significant as well. Stuart, your, your thoughts about Pep and his future at City? Do you see him 
going at the end of his contract? Do you see him hanging on a bit longer, or is it all totally dependent on City in Europe, do you think? I think, strangely enough, if he wins the Champions League this year, and we all hope we do, and he does, uh, he might he might walk away and have a sabbatical again. But I, I don't know. I think he's got unfinished business at City. Um, he certainly, obviously, will stay another another year to to end his contract because he's never broken a contract in his career uh, hitherto. So he obviously will stay for next season. But if we're not in the Champions League next season, and you're hinting that we won't be, um, I don't know. Um, what happens if we win the Champions League this season? And are and are still banned for a season. Are we not going to be able to defend our Champions League title? That would be a bit cruel, to be honest. But I don't know. Um, I think he's a very honourable man. I think he he sticks with his contract, um, and he's got unfinished business. So I I would reckon he may well stay, maybe another year, maybe another two after his contract ends at the end of next season. I don't know. It's very hard to it? second guess. Very hard to okay. second no, guess. Of course, of course like, I, I understand. Stephen, is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I think so. He, he he'll want to win the Champions League. Of course, he will. That's that's a large part of why he was brought in. He'll want to hit back in the league. He's not going to want a twenty, twenty-five points, whatever it is, deficit to Liverpool to hang over him. So I think he'll want to to come back strong next year. I'd be pleasantly surprised. I'd love it if he extended beyond the end of next season. That'll be five years. I think we'd be um, lucky if he extended it into a six. I'm not convinced he will. Yeah. Anything, anything to add, Steve, or have we covered that? Yeah, one I bit? think I think the only the only thing with Pep for me, I mean, he's managed three of the strongest teams in Europe, so I can't see him necessarily going to another league team in another league to actually try his luck there. I suspect that if anything's going to tempt him away now, it would be a sabbatical followed by perhaps managing a national team or something. Um, I'm sure he'd love to manage Spain. Um, and actually take them to a World Cup or European Cup and actually see how he, he does at national level. So I can't really see that there's any domestic league that would actually be tempting him in at the moment uh, with a massive offer. And he, as, the, as the guys say, he is a very loyal chap and I'm sure he'll see out his contract and potentially add a little bit more to it if he feels it's necessary. But we'll have to see how it goes. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Well, well, let's stick with Europe then because uh, our, st- our, our friend Stato has uh, asked a question, and it's all about the draw for the Champions League, uh, quarterfinals and semifinals this week on Friday. Uh, you've got a preferred draw or maybe a worst option? Uh, your, th- your thoughts on that? Uh, Stephen, do you, want, do you want to kick us off on European draw this weekend and your thoughts and reflections on that and hope, hopes and fears? 
Yeah, well, I think, I think I've not really thought about the quarterfinal draw, given we've still got an enormous game to get there first. Um, I mean, who's qualified? Atalanta looked okay in the group against us, but I think if you pitted them against some of the other teams that are likely to be there, you'd probably rather face them than Barcelona or Bayern. Um, but I think we're... I don't think for a second anyone will get ahead of themselves and, and look at that draw when we've got a huge game against Real to come up and, and no one knows what form we're going to be in at that point or you know, I don't think it's even been confirmed where it's going to take place yet. So yeah. let's um, boring answer, but let's focus on that and then let's let's see who we get after that. One game at a time, Stuart. Take each game as it comes. Absolutely. It's an old cliche, but it's probably correct. Um, I think La Marca, the English version of La Marca, if I'm not mistaken, was saying that the, um, the Madrid game would be uh, the Etihad. So that may be a slight advantage for us, because uh, not as much, obviously, as if we'd had 50-odd thousand in there. But yeah, I take each game as it comes. Steve? Avoid, yeah, avoid, buy, avoid buying at all costs. Meet him in the final. Yeah, I mean... Look at look at all of the all of the um, teams that are left in the competition are strong. It's just how relative they are to each other. So any of those teams that's left is going to provide a decent opposition. So you can't really underestimate any of them. And I would say, yeah, of course, I would prefer Atlanta over any of the others. However, if you draw Atletico Madrid or you draw Bayern or anything like that, you're gonna you you know that you're gonna have a tough game ahead. And any of those games could be tough. But like Stephen, I'm kind of waiting on the outcome of us playing against uh, Real Madrid and see if we can actually put them to the sword with us having the advantage at the moment. It's a possibility, but there's no, by no means over that game. There's only one goal in it. Yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's come back domestically then. Can, can anybody on the panel this week get excited about Wednesday Newcastle at home at six o'clock and Brighton away at eight o'clock on Saturday? Okay. Give me, let's give us, as, as we finish here, some reason to be cheerful, something to look forward to. These are league games that are irrelevant and therefore I'm struggling to find something positive and exciting to say about either of those games. Who can help me out? Um, I would be very happy if we had no injuries in either of those games. <laughs> I'm really excited by that, Stuart. Thank you. I yeah, I'm, really very I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, by the way, just a cool. start for um, yeah, the, the game against Southampton, which showcased our clinical finishing um, was the most watched game in the history of the Premier League 5.7 million people watched that game there you go so will that go down to like the Stoke City you remember that cup final at Stoke yes, City yes. played it will be the new Stoke City fixture won't it there was what was it 87,000 at Main Road that including my father Eight. that, that yeah, was it, was it 87,000 something like that? 84, yeah. I think. Oh, 84 million watched. 5.7 million watched our misfiring attack. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, Steve, help us out here, please. Newcastle and Brighton, the next few games. What? What? Well, what it, give us, give us some excitement, please. Well, the the, the posit, positive thing we have to take from it is, is if potentially we are getting a European ban, we're going to need all the money we can. So every place we get in the Premier League is an advantage. So we need to make sure we secure second place um, <laughs> over and above everything else. And Leicester aren't a million miles away from us and there are other teams snapping at their heels. So we kind of need to get something from it, even if it's only our kids that are playing. Um, I mean, it would be nice to see more of the squad get game time to sharpen themselves up a bit. Southampton was a kind of, it was a massive defensive effort by them, to be fair. They had sort of probably 
50 men behind the ball, I think, to be fair. It looked at one time. And the goalkeeper had an absolute blinder. Um, but, you know, not that's not always going to be the case. So we were just a bit unlucky, I think, in that. And obviously there are times when you've got to give credit to the opposition. They defended for absolutely. their lives and, and did a great job. You're yeah. absolutely right. And, and it's interesting, we, we have seen a number of the youngsters on the bench and obviously being involved in the first team squad, Stephen. It would be nice to see someone coming through. I know Foden's seen a bit of football and scored a few goals, which of course is great and got some headlines. It would be nice to see the uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis and, and, and the Tommy Doyles of this world maybe getting a start. Is that going to happen between now and the end of the season or, or do you think not? Um, it'd be nice to see that. I'm, I'm not sure how much there is to gain any more from... Um, playing Otamendi or Stones and you know if you're going to rest Laporte maybe the game before Real Madrid then why wouldn't you play Harwood Bellis or if you're going to rest De Bruyne why wouldn't you try Doyle out but um, the, the the flip side of that is is if you're going to rest De Bruyne you, you're probably playing Gundogan or you're playing Foden and you need to give them time to get ahead of the big game so I think a lot of fans on Twitter would love to see Jaden Brass given a chance and um, you know he seems to be the one that you know, fans are dying to see um, whether it's from the left wing, whether it's up front. But I, I think you look at the strength of our second eleven, and I don't think any of the kids get into that. So they, they may have to make do with a chance from the bench and 20 minutes if they're lucky or so. But we'll see. And, and finally, before we go, what are you guys missing about your all regular attenders at City matches, sort of home and away? What are you actually missing most about this? Uh, clearly, we're watching it with five and a half million other people. Clearly, thank you for the stat, there, Stuart. <laughs> but what, what, what is it that you miss about not being able to go to the games and actually go go inside stadium and so on? Any any thoughts and reflections on that before we go? I think just the, the basic atmosphere of a, of a football match in, in the United Kingdom. It's just you know the place to be, isn't it? Um, even watching on TV with a big crowd um, isn't isn't for me really. Um, I can never enjoy a game on TV as much as I would in a stadium. So that's that's for me that's the biggest miss. But you know it's opium for the masses, so they got it back on and we're playing in front of nobody. But that's how it's going to be, I'm afraid, in this uh, strange strange situation we're in. But yeah, once we get back to crowds, I'll be happy. But. I'm not. I'm not really enjoying watching games, but with no fans. Sure. All right. Listen, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to Steve Cox, to Stuart Brodkin, and to Stephen Allwise. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got ninety seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.